Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast coming at you on Thursday. We're Taco on Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> have a fun episode for you today. Going to recap the NFC side of things in the draft. Wells Fargo preview as well at the end of the show. But going to kick it off with the question of the day One of today, the three Joe. banks that were not bought out over the last like month or two. <laughs> right. For, or bailed out by the uh, whatever. <laughs> FDIC. FDIC. That, Sounds right. Something like that. <laughs> Question of the day. We had rumors of this player possibly being traded before the draft, but Trey Lance, what what do we do in San Francisco here? I, d- <laughs> well, that there you go. I don't have an answer. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really thought that he was going to get moved at some point during this draft, whether it was somebody saying, hey, you know, we'll, we'll take, we'll send you a third for him and, or, We'll do a. We'll give you a second. You give us our. You give us Trey Lance and a fourth, and we'll we'll take him off your hands. I have no idea what's going on in San Fran because maybe this Purdy injury is more serious than we think, or than than what San Fran's leading us to believe. But why would you stick around, or why would you, I guess, go into camp with Brock Purdy? Capable starter, but obviously hurt. Sam Darnold, backup, but can win you some games if you need him to play four. He might win one or two. And Trey Lance, we have no freaking idea. Like, I I just don't get why... Maybe those offers for Lance were that bad that they're like, uh, let's take our chances. Somebody gets hurt in camp and wants to take a chance on him or during preseason and says, hey, ah, shit, we're desperate. We'll give you a second for next year. That's my best guess. But, I mean, if I'm Trey Lance, I'm also pissed. Because I know that I'm not, once Brock Purdy's healthy and maybe maybe he's able to start week one, who knows, with Purdy, uh, there's no, there's a lot of unknowns on Purdy's current health status. But what if, if he's healthy week one, Trey Lance knows he's not going to hang on to that job. And then at that point, don't you put Darnold as your number two? Just he's more of a known thing than Lance. It seems like a really just awkward situation. If I'm Trey Lance, I'm pissed. If I'm Darnold, I'm probably also pissed. Because I'm like, shit, what if I end up as the third string quarterback? Why did I sign here? And if I'm Brock Purdy... <laughs> I guess I'm probably like comfortable in my spot, but God, I need to get back because I don't want Trey to finally break out and show yeah. that he can be a high end quarterback. So I don't know. It seems to be a really uncomfortable quarterback room. The Niners are not afraid to do that. Clearly though, <laughs> going back to year Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick, even last year, Jimmy G Trey Lance, like, they're clearly experienced within that organization of having multiple guys that are competing for that starting job. It's unconventional. It's led to them not really having a the breakout quarterback that they've wanted. 
but they've had good team. Thankfully, they've had good teams around these these quarterbacks. I just I don't think any of these three quarterbacks really are satisfied, are feeling comfortable, and at some point, I think it's best to declare this is my starting quarterback or and this is my backup. Not having three quarterbacks as like kind of unknowns and not knowing where they sit on the depth chart, where they sit within the organization, where they sit within the QB room. I think that's the mistake. And I think all three, you don't want three quarterbacks in that room all competing and pissed at each other constantly. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I think, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head there with them just not really being sure of what Brock Purdy's injury status is going to be. And all of a sudden he has a setback and you're looking at Sam Darnold the whole season instead of Trey Lance if you trade him away. So the only thing is if Trey Lance doesn't get much playing time and is stuck behind Purdy, his stock's just going to keep going down the longer he's gone without getting into games. So I don't, they're in a really weird situation. But like you said, maybe an injury pops up during training camp. Maybe Las Vegas is like, you know, we kind of messed up in the draft and we probably should have taken a quarterback because Jimmy G's going to get hurt. Maybe they offer something or maybe something does come up in training camp, but it, that'd be great for Jimmy G and Trey Lance to reunite. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jimmy would be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, again? Same guy? Like, <laughs> we really? <suck> again. <laughs> we can be found at Dead Arm Sports. Twitter, Instagram, check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Go to YouTube, Dead Arm Sports, into that search bar. Subscribe, click the bell there. That way you know when our live episodes drop. Ding we monitor dong. that chat. <laughs> monitor that chat. You can ask us any questions there. Otherwise, hit us up on our socials at Dead Arm Sports, at Das Gel. That's at D A S J E L. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D A S J P E C. Give us all a follow and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot, and we will send you some Dead Arm Sports swag. NFC side of our draft recap is today. If you're looking to hear the AFC, go back to yesterday's episode. That's where you will find that. But I want to kick it off with a team that historically you'd be on the lookout for them to have a down year this year with that Super Bowl hangover, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Typically that uh, losing team has had a little bit of a hangover, but I really like what Philly did not only in the draft but during the draft as well. Jalen Carter ended up trading up one pick with the Bears. Didn't have to give up a ton for that to move up one spot. You get a guy that I think is going to fit right in and be really nasty on that Philadelphia defensive line. Got Nolan Smith towards the back end of that first round, which is a guy that I thought could have went off the board a little bit sooner too, but ended up getting a steal there. And ended up trading for DeAndre Swift. I was not happy with that as I had Rashad Penny in our dynasty <laughs> league just kind of picked him up as a flyer thinking that all oh, the Eagles are probably going to draft a quarterback and got through the first two days, rounds one through three, and was like, oh, sweet. And then all of a sudden you get that news. I'm like, ah, shit. (laughs) But for them, I think it was awesome. I mean, this is another team I talked about, the Pittsburgh Badgers yesterday, and something's going on in Pennsylvania because now we have the Philadelphia Bulldogs because they're just grabbing all the George Bulldogs. had Kylie Ringo going later, cornerback as well in the fourth round. So, I mean, Jordan Davis last year, I mean, they're just stocking up on Bulldogs. 
Jalen Carter, <laughs> Jordan Davis, Nakobe Dean. Don't forget, he was picked last year by them. Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, and DeAndre Swift. Like, and all these guys are, they're going to play. They're not messing around. I can't wait for Sunday night football when their heads pop up and they say their name. Jalen Carter. Jordan Davis, Georgia. Georgia. (laughs) Jordan Davis, Georgia. Nakobe Dean, Georgia. Nolan Smith. Georgia, Keely Ringo, Georgia. All those guys are on defense. That could they could literally do that. That could literally <laughs> be how that plays out. Um, and then DeAndre Swift grabbing him. What what did they send back? It was. I mean, it had to have been a late round pick or something. It wasn't. It wouldn't have been anything yeah, extremely significant. I want to say it was like a fourth or something. That's like what that. I thought. It sounds right, but yeah, that was interesting to say the least, but <laughs> uh, DeAndre Swift was <laughs> 2020. Wow. A 2025 fourth and a 2023 seventh round swap. Now <clears throat> we'll touch a little bit on the lines later, but you knew once Jameer Gibbs was picked at 12, given that they had already signed David Montgomery, like, Swift is the next one to go. There's no chance. He was, you know, it's not like Swift is still on his rookie contract, but he's not, he wasn't really going to be worth an extension for the Lions given. Yes. When he's on the field, real nice player, not on the field enough. He had injury. He, he's been fighting this injury bug his whole career. And it was, it was evident that it was time for the, Lions and Swift to move on. I think there had been kind of rumors of that happening for a while. Eagles killed it, man. I I agree with you. Get I, you know, Jalen Carter in that nine spot. We'll see. I mean, is it a risk worth taking? This is the team that makes me say yes because they have obviously all those Georgia players multiple teammate you know Georgia you know teammates going back to Georgia in Nolan Smith of this year Jordan Davis last year Nicobe Dean last year he's got and and that overall Eagles culture if Jordan Davis or yeah or sorry Jalen Carter if he has issues with Philly with this culture and this surrounding cast then he's then he's not going to work anywhere so i think i i think it was worth a pick do you think it like i don't know what they gave up to move up from nine to ten but do you think that the bears were like yeah hey we'll take a late round we'll take the extra asset we weren't going to take jalen carter anyways i mean i i the Philly, if they were thinking, hey, let's move up to nine, they must have thought there's a chance that that the Bears would end up taking Jalen Carter. That that has to be a possibility here. Yeah, they sent a 2024 fourth-round pick to the Bears to move up one spot, so not a ton of draft capital. Yeah, so, so they, they didn't – it's not like they gave up much to do it. Give themselves, I guess, you know, by moving up that one spot, just probably thinking – Hey, a lot less stress for all of us in the room here. <laughs> Howie, uh, oh, God damn it. What's his last name? Howie, the GM. Roseman. Howie Roseman. 
He's going, he's not, he's not messing around. He's not grabbing these, you know, Hey, I'm going to grab this guy from South Dakota state. You know, some of these complete unknowns. He's like, let me go to the biggest programs, get the best players and it'll work out fine. And so far it has, he's, he's taken multiple players that have had red flags. I mean, we, you know, not that Jalen hurts had any red flags personality wise, but I mean, he's, he's one of the more dedicated workers in the, the entire league, but red flags in terms of being a quarterback, can he throw the ball? We don't really know, but we buy into his character. Then he goes and and at the time, or no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I was thinking Jason Kelsey it was Travis Kelsey had some red flags, um, out of Cincinnati, but obviously they have Jason. Um, so I, I mean, this is just an organization that's super solid. You surround the right guys with the right teammates. You're asking for success. There's also a little bit of a risk, I think, with taking so many young guys from the same school there with multiple yeah. guys having character issues. I know Jordan Davis, there were there were question marks of when he came out last year. One of the question marks was, is he is this guy going to come into camp sh- in shape? And he did this past year. But now you're asking you're you have the same exact question mark with Jalen Carter and putting those two together, it's like, you know, what if they kind of slack off a little bit, but the motivation could be maybe Jordan Davis is like, okay, I learned that if I work my ass off after being with Fletcher Cox for a year, if I work my ass off, I'm going to make a shitload of money and we're going to make a Super Bowl run. And, you got to hope that he delivers that same message to Jalen Carter. But I love going after these big schools, these high-end players. George's had the best defense in the nation over the last two years, and the Eagles have basically all their impact defensive players on their roster. <laughs> right. So it's a, it seems like a right way to build a defense. It's been successful with whatever the Eagles have done so far. I'm into it. It's risky, but... I'm into it. The Nolan Smith pick too. I had him going to the Packers at 13 for him to fall down to 30. I think that's just a, that's a sweet ass value pick. Yep. One of the teams that I have a lot of love for, but also a question mark for the Seattle Seahawks. Number five, overall Devin uh, uh, Witherspoon grabbing him at five. I'm into it. Uh, you know, Anthony Richardson was gone. They clearly weren't sold on Levis. Witherspoon was the top guy on their board at that point. And they, you know, they, they've already been burned before on, t- they've had, they've had some whiffs on taking guys with red flags. They've had some hits as well taking guys with red flags. I think they just said, Hey, right now is probably not the time to go grab Jalen Carter. So Devin Witherspoon was the next guy on their board. He's one of those guys that's going to fit right into that Seattle culture. Again, I preach, I'm preaching culture because talent isn't everything. You got to have the right culture. We've seen this with the Raiders for so long. We've seen it in Washington where they just, you know, grab a bunch of talent, but have no culture. Albert, uh, Albert Hainsworth going back. I mean, I'm, I'm bringing up Washington for 
you know, as I'm talking about culture here, Albert Hainsworth, dominant in Tennessee, goes and signs a seven-year deal with Washington for a ton of money. Washington has no culture. Hainsworth sucks for them (laughs) and is just an absolute waste of all that cash. We even saw this with Josh Norman, where he was a total beast in Carolina. Signs a big money deal in Washington. There's no culture. And it just falls apart that quickly. So I think Seattle was like, do you know, we got a bunch of young guys in here. It's not like we've got a Richard Sherman, a Cam Chancellor in house. We are extremely young right now. We, we, I believe in my culture. If I'm, you know, if I'm Pete Carroll, I believe in my culture, but do we have the players to surround Jalen Carter with at this point? Do we have that culture built up enough? And I think they said, no, probably not. Let's go get Devin Witherspoon, who is one of the hardest working guys in this entire draft. As mentioned previously, you know, had to go to a JUCO because he wasn't academically eligible. By the time that he's hitting this draft, he's an AP or uh, he's a big 10 all American. He's, you know, one of the, he's clearly the highest uh, cornerback rated in this draft. Hard-ass worker, badass dude. I love that pick there. Going on to their second pick in the first round, number 20 overall, That was, which is their own pick, grabbing Jackson Smith and Jigba. I can't believe he fell this far. To get him at 20, that felt like a no-brainer. I mean, you can plug and play him right away, day one, to be your wide receiver three. Play him anywhere on the field. You're going to have DK on one side. And you can go Lockett or JSN either in the slot or on the other side, outside. I thought that that's obviously an absolute money pick, giving Geno an extra weapon. But my issue is grabbing Zach Charbonnet in the second round. That was arguably the biggest head-scratcher, of, at least on the NFC side for me. Given that Kenneth Walker completely killed it last year, he got hurt, but after he returned from that injury, he maybe wasn't the exact same player that he was in the regular season, but he still showed, hey, I'm a I'm a number one running back. Pete Carroll today said, again, we're, rec- we're recording live on Taco Tuesday, said that <clears throat> Charbonnet has, is going to be competing for that RB1 job. And... I don't get it. I don't see I don't see anything out of Charbonnet that says RB1 in the NFL fine against Pac-12 defenses when you got small linebackers and DBs that are 5'9, 160. You're going you're playing against the you're playing in the NFL. Like you got to have both speed and power, and that's what Kenneth Walker provides. I was saying at the end of last season, if I'm talking about a dynasty draft, if I was doing a dynasty startup draft, Kenneth Walker's a top three to five pick. To think that Zach Charbonnet is going to actually be able to compete for that job, I don't, I don't understand that 1%, and that was the big head scratcher there for me. Getting him in the second round, especially when I thought, Shoot, this guy could fall to the fourth. Yeah, being as uh, 
Kenneth Walker's on my dynasty team was not thrilled about that move, but even if he <laughs> wasn't, I it it was mind boggling for me. There's so many other positions and guys that were available at that point in time. Yes, Kenneth Walker, maybe with the injury last year, scared them a little bit where, sure, you don't want to use him all three downs. You want to spell him. You want to give him a breather. But that doesn't mean take another second-round running back there. Get somebody a little bit later on. And Kenneth was a second-rounder. And it just it made no sense there. And the other thing I had with issue with Seattle's draft, I love their first-round picks. So JSN and Devin Witherspoon, phenomenal picks. Love that. They didn't draft a quarterback at all. I just, I was kind of surprised with that. Yes, they were probably hoping Anthony Richardson was going to slide to them at that fifth pick. I'm totally cool with them skipping over Will Levis. We obviously have made it known the over the last month what we feel about him, but it just was kind of surprising to me because I don't see Seattle with the roster that they have. If Geno plays like he did last year, they're not going to be in a spot to draft one of the top quarterbacks next year. I know he's under contract for a bit, so you have a little bit of wiggle room, but it was kind of surprising that they didn't take a chance on a DTR, take a chance on a Jalen Hall, like somebody else that could sit there for a little bit, learn, you can plug him in and see what you have. It just, it was kind of surprising to me that they didn't take a shot on a quarterback at all. That's a great, that's a great point. I hadn't even really thought about that. I hadn't really thought about Seattle beyond Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, but you're right. They should, they could have absolutely taken, I mean, you and I are both in love with Jaron Hall. Uh, I think that he could end up being a stud. Max Duggan ends up falling to the seventh. Did he go to the, he went to the Chargers either sixth or seventh round. Yeah, it was late. You can't grab somebody like that. I mean, if really if you're if you're comping Gino and and Max Duggan, they're pretty they're they're pretty comparable. So I thought that round. seventh round pick, like you can't you can't grab him earlier. I you know, or at all. I thought that was a complete whiff. But um, yeah, that's that's a great point. That's a great point. All right, Joe. I waited long enough. I'm going to talk about the Bears. <laughs> Stop I love, love their draft. I was happy. they. I know you had asked the question. I think it kind of skipped over it when we were talking about Philly and the Bears and everything with uh, Jalen Carter. But they came out, Ryan Poles came out and just said that they were not comfortable taking Carter. They didn't really see he was going to be a fit. So they traded back, which why not pick up a draft pick if you know that you're not going to take a guy that somebody else wants. So they move back and end up now. I don't know. They haven't really said too much about if Paris Johnson was there, if that was their preferred tackle, but end up going Darnell right out of Tennessee. And I, I love the fit there. Dude's an absolute monster. He allowed hardly any quarterback pressures in his career at Tennessee going up against some huge guys in the SEC. Will Anderson said that that's the best tackle he's faced. That's what I was career. about to bring so, up. Yep. I mean, a guy that's going to be awesome for the run game, protecting Justin Fields. And a lot of people said that he's not as sure of a thing as Paris Johnson, but easily could be the best tackle in this draft when it's all said and done. Absolutely love them at pick 10 there, getting him. Love Zach Pickens out of South Carolina, hard worker and nice D tackle there. They got um, Hargrove, uh, or not uh, Hargrove, they got uh, 
Garvin out of Florida, D-tackle position. That one was a little bit more questionable to me. Um, not as consistent there, but love the Tyler Scott, absolute burner out of Cincinnati, wide receiver that they got in the fourth round. And uh, another fourth round guy absolutely loves Roshan Johnson out of Texas. He easily would have been a starter in a ton of other D1 schools if he wasn't behind the first running back off the board in this draft, Bijan Robinson. So another guy that is going to plug in and probably fight for some starts and playing time with Dante Foreman and Khalil Herbert. So I, I thought the Bears absolutely killed it with this draft. Noah Sewell, linebacker, fifth round. I mean, yeah. And they, I, they, I, they I texted awesome. you guys before, or maybe it was maybe it was during day two, or at least or maybe early day three, and I'm like, wait, is Noah Sewell still out there? <laughs> like What's I know? <laughs> I mean, extremely productive in Oregon to be able to. I know he's he's not obviously the 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 athlete that uh, his brother Panay Sewell is, uh, offensive tackle for the Lions, which sounds weird. He's not the athlete that an offensive tackle is as a <laughs> from a linebacker. But I mean, Panay Sewell is a freak. Noah Sewell though was extremely productive at Oregon. He was looked at as you know if it when he was coming into or after his freshman year, people were saying, Hey, Noah Sewell, this guy could end up being a real high end pick. So for him, for you to be able to, for for you, for the bears to get him in the seventh, that's baller. And then you mentioned Roshan Johnson. That's a, that's just such a, I think that's a fucking badass pairing with uh, him and Khalil Herbert there in that backfield, along with Justin Fields. And that rushing attack, Darnell Wright, three. What is he? Six five three thirty something. I mean, this dude's three thirty three. Three thirty three. Big boy. Six five three thirty three. Big dude. Exactly what you need in Chicago. I think that's. I I thought that they killed it too. Um, and and they they hit on all their needs really. Uh, they could have probably. They still. I still think they could have added a little bit more in the wide receiver room at least sort of early on but they ended up going secondary with a couple of those earlier picks and we saw how those second those first rounder first or what was it first and second rounders I believe they went DB last season and both of those picks look great so Matt Uberflus uh, looks like he kind of <laughs> looks like he kind of knows what he's doing over there on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a great draft. Roshan Johnson, underrated player, didn't get enough play, didn't get the playing time like you said that he would have at a number of other programs. Let's stay in the NFC North and let's touch on the Minnesota Vikings. I'll get to the Packers later. I I thought that they I thought they killed this draft. I I loved it. Uh, getting Jordan Addison there at twenty three, I did not think he was available or would have been available that late. He's a great compliment to Justin Jefferson on the other side of the ball. You can still then ideally keep KJ Osborne as your third receiver. Uh, and then, and then I, and then I want to touch also on Dwayne McBride, the running back out of UAB that they got late. Solid pick guy was a beast in college. I mean, he played for UAB, so he's wasn't, against top competition, but we saw Rashad Penny be a first round pick out of San Diego state. 
against, you know, put up major numbers. He was a first-round pick. To be able to get Dwayne McBride out of UAB uh, pretty late in the draft, I believe he was a third. And then, as previously mentioned, Jaron Hall, potential replacement here for Kirk Cousins to grab him late. Ah. I'm so I'm so jealous. I'm so damn jealous. You are jealous. <laughs> I am it. so damn jealous. You were right. <laughs> I'm so I I think that I think that's one of the better picks of this draft was being able to get Jaron Hall as late as they did. I believe he was a fifth, and I think like there's a pretty good chance that he steps in for Kirk Cousins if he's if if Cousins is kind of shaky, and Hall looks like he's a beast. We might be looking at the last year of Cousins in Minnesota, and I know you and I really like this guy. I just hate that he's in division now. Yeah, no, I do too. And yeah, he's one of my favorite later round quarterbacks that went. And yeah, didn't like seeing him to Minnesota, but I think it's a great fit. And like you said, after this year, Kirk's probably out the door, and Minnesota's maybe looking at Hall. Maybe they're doing something else, but I, I like the fit there. And like you said, Jordan Addison lining up. Justin Jefferson, I don't like the fantasy fit necessarily, although Thielen and Jefferson were solid. But, I mean, as far as a standpoint for the Vikings, actual football and not fantasy, I mean, how could you not be excited having Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison lined up opposite but, each other on the field? Like, just... But if you really awesome. think about it, were we, were we thinking, hey, Jordan Addison's going to be a number one anywhere? I mean, outside of the Giants... Were we thinking, hey, if, you know, we yeah, we were thinking, I hey, see, he's going to go to the Chargers. He wasn't going to be a number one with L.A., at least right off the top. Now, I, I get the I get the question marks because you're opposite of the best receiver in, or arguably the best receiver in the league. But they throw the ball around. I mean, yeah. you know, we're see, I mean, we see mad production out of T. Higgins. He's opposite of uh, Jamar Chase. As long as he, you know, I mean, Addison's a really nice player. He's going to be a starter day one. I think I'd be kind of pumped, honestly, with that landing spot because of how much they throw the ball around. One of the teams, I mean, I was thinking I was going to be talking Vikings there. John, you're going to be going Packers, but I will save the Packers for you and just touch on Tampa Bay quick. I really like their first, first two picks in the draft. They're a team right now that just kind of, in no man land along with the rest of that NFC South, but Kalaja Kansi going to them at number 19, solid pick there, D tackle out of Pittsburgh. And then Cody Mouch, the tackle from North Dakota state, which goofy looking dude, but I mean, he seems like okay. an awesome guy. So. He is awesome though. Did you <laughs> yes. see, oh, did you 100%. see his, uh, during on draft day, his, uh, the little profile they did on him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> This guy is somebody that I would just, I don't know if I want him on my football. I do want him on my football team. I just want to hang out with him though. More than, more than anything. I mean, I feel like if I go to like, you know, like a pub in Germany where they serve those big ass mugs of beer, like that guy would be pounding German fucking mugs. (laughs) Big time. One notable thing I wanted to bring up here before we talk about your Packers gel is that Tampa Bay did not take a quarterback at all throughout the draft. So I think they are firmly cemented in the Caleb Williams Derby heading into the draft next season. Got Baker Mayfield there and Kyle Trask and 
sorry, Tampa fans. It's going to be a rough year for you. But, again, you're going to be heading into the uh, lottery for Caleb Williams. So. Well, look at look at who picked up Baker before last season. The team with the number one overall pick this year. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's so, a good trend. It's Yeah, I mean, if you're Baker. <laughs> you're hoping. <laughs> just keep – this is how Baker's gonna keep getting paychecks. He's just gonna he's he's gonna be the, the He's like, the, hey, you want the number one pick next year? Sign me. Pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to do it. No, I mean I you know, they went they went line, they went line, linebacker, linebacker, tight end, DB, wide receiver, outside linebacker. Like didn't even it's just building up the building up the line, building up that front seven. I like the strategy. I said this, I mean, it's been a few months probably since I said this, but I think they might be the front runners for Caleb. Now with Arizona making the trade that they did with Houston, Arizona's got way more assets than Tampa will. But if Tampa ends up with the number one pick, I don't think you end up, I don't know. I don't care what it takes, whatever they offer, unless it's a Ricky Williams type deal where they give you, your their entire draft or you know or believe that was the Ricky Williams deal where the Saints gave up all their picks rounds one through seven for Ricky Williams something something <laughs> goofy like that um but no I I to- I love what they did building up that front seven building up that uh that offensive line and uh and getting themselves a nice blocking tight end there late in the fifth so good moves by Tampa all around all right, uh, I guess, hmm, talk Bears. We've talked Lions. Sort. Side note, uh, Ricky Williams was uh, first round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. Unbelievable. And they're first and third the following year. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, he was a good player for a few years, right? Like, <laughs> That's a lot, though. Goodness gracious. Yikes. All right. Let's. You're ready to go, Packers. Oh, I thought we were just going right to golf. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's. We got a little time to fill. I guess we can talk uh, Green Bay here. Lucas Van Ness, 13 overall. I had him in my mock going 8 to the Falcons. Now, that was higher than most mocks that we'd seen, but I was being bold because I'm in love with that dude. He's got all the tools. He's got heights. He's got bend, but he's a little bit of a project. I think that's exactly what the Packers love though. So <laughs> no pun intended with Jordan. Uh, I, 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 when they took Van Ness, I flipped. I, in a good way, I was, I'm, I'm freaking pumped. I think this is Clay Matthews 2.0. Ironic that he does go to Green Bay. Again, Van Ness didn't really start much in college. Clay Matthews didn't really start much either. But if you don't start in college, that doesn't really mean that much, especially given that he's the first Iowa player off the board. Like, your boys. Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get into the Lions a little bit later. But uh I I absolutely fell in love with that pick of Lucas Van Ness. And normally, like just 
for transparency's sake, normally I'm extremely critical of the Packers draft. But I absolutely love this Van Ness pick. Obviously, if you've been listening over the last few weeks, he's been my he's been one of my sleepers that I think would just keep rising up draft boards for the Green for Green Bay to get him at 13. I'm pumped. Second round pick, their first second round pick, Luke Musgrave, tight end out of Oregon State, one of the top tight ends in this draft. You can there's an argument to be made that he was the number 2 tight end. It'll it'll be it'll depend on how things play out here, um, and if he can stay on it, the field, and if he can stay <laughs> healthy. Um, that's been that was kind of the question mark was health and also some blocking ability. But he looks like an incredible receiving tight end. He's got speed. He's got height. Kind of reminds me of a better version of Robert Tunyon, actually, given given his measurables, his speed, and his height. Uh, but I think that he can be a little bit better than Tunyon. Um, not a great blocking tight end, but they turned around in the fourth or in the third, sorry, with their fourth overall pick or their fourth pick and drafted Tucker Craft, a much more traditional tight end, grabbing him in the third out of South Dakota State. He is one of the more, like I said, one of the more traditional tight ends in terms of being a good blocker. And having that receiving ability, not going to be as dynamic in the receiving game as Musgrave, but two tight ends are better than one, man. I think when you've got Jordan Love there, where you want to give him as many easy completions as possible, that's a huge plus. Moving back earlier in their draft, they take Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. Some scouts say that this guy could be a but. Hi, Sonny. Some say that he may amount to nothing. I've also seen I've also seen some others say that hey, this guy could be one of those receive wide receiver sleepers. So little I mean, I think that he's going to fit in right really well as that third wide receiver in the Green Bay Packer room. Beyond that, uh, you know, grabbing some defensive players, you know, grabbing a defensive end out of uh Auburn and then sticking with the theme of Auburn in the sixth grabbing a kicker which it's time it was just time to move off of Mason Crosby so I love them grabbing uh Anders Carlson kicker out of Auburn Mason Crosby showed that he was pretty much done uh last season I'm this is one of those Packer drafts where I'm a lot more all in on than I have been in a long time. Yeah, no, they knocked it out of the park with their first few picks, I think. So I'm I'm totally cool with that. I think Lucas Van Ness, like you said, Clay Matthews 2.0 should be pretty solid. I know some people aren't as excited about it, but I know you've been super pumped about it, Joel, for what seems like forever here. So when he fell there, I know how pumped you were about that. And like you said, Luke Musgrave, I think is going to be really solid. He just needs to stay healthy. And that's what he struggled with at Oregon state. But obviously the talents there hardly played at all last year, played in, I believe three games before he got hurt, still ends up getting picked in the second round. So 
phenomenal there. And Reed, wide receiver as well, can plug him in there and give Jordan Love some help. So I think they did an awesome, awesome job of getting Jordan Love some help. Um, why don't we kick it over to you, Jell? and what are your three favorite picks on the NFC side? Not probably going to be a shocker here, but let's go <laughs> Lucas Van Ness. Van Ness. <laughs> okay. I already, I already splurged on him, but uh, no, I just think, I think that he may end up being, you know, there's question marks about Will Anderson and what he's going to be able to do in the pass rushing game. Tyree Wilson's raw Lucas Van Ness is raw as well, but if he pans out, if he ends up being the comp that I have called him Clay Matthews 2.0. It's about as good as you're going to get at that number 13 pick. So, and <laughs> I know we, we've all been saying, God, why don't the Packers finally take an offensive skill position player? I knew they weren't going to do that. So even though the fit was there with Jackson Smith and Jigba being available, I'm cool with Van Ness. I knew they weren't going to go receiver. He's my, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Number two, New Orleans trading, jumping the Rams in the fourth round to take Jake Hayner over Stetson Bennett. (laughs) I think the Rams wanted Hayner there. It was pretty, I mean, given that they took Stetson Benson the next pick, it seemed pretty clear that they were just dead set on grabbing quarterback. New Orleans grabbing Hayner, another so you're pairing up a Fresno State kid of De- with Derek Carr, so two Fresno State kids. I love that pick. If if Carr, you know, doesn't work out or if he goes down, we've he's been injured in the past. You got Jake Hayner there that I think is going to be a really nice player. Is he Brock Purdy 2.0? We've seen some comps. We've seen those comps in the past or during this draft process of Hayner being uh, similar to Brock Purdy in terms of tons of college snaps, a little bit undersized, but accurate. He has had some injury issues in the past, but hey, as a number two guy in that New Orleans room, I'm I'm in on that. And my number three uh, pick that I loved, Arizona grabbing Paris Johnson. I mean, they, yes, they, you know, they had to move up for him. They gave up a little bit of capital, but great. I think, I mean, grabbing the number one offensive lineman in this draft, somebody that Kyler wanted, even though I think that they should move off of Kyler, you know, Kyler had made it known that he wants Paris Johnson because that offensive line has been atrocious lately. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with the Cardinals giving up some capital, moving up to six, not taking a chance that with that number 12 pick shit. What if, I mean, Paris Johnson would be gone. Skaronsky would be gone. Who knows where Darnell Wright lands. Maybe, maybe Darnell Wright ends up falling there to, uh, to them at 12. But if you know, Paris Johnson's your guy and that's who your current franchise quarterback wants moving up those six spots, not having to give up a ton of capital. You've already got a ton left over from the Houston Texans trade. I loved that pick as well. No, that was, that was solid. I like them moving back up. 
Um, I'll just touch on this one quick. I love the Darnell right to Chicago. I already mentioned that during the Bears, so that was one of my favorite picks. You touched on New Orleans, and I liked what they did a little bit later on as well in Kendrick Miller. I think he's going to be a really good fit. I talked about him during their running love back that. episode. Love that. We're not sure what Alvin Kamara situation is going to look like. His legal stuff is going to be coming down before the start of the season. Yes, they have Jamal Williams there, but I think with Kamara out, Kendrick Miller would be a great compliment to him and potentially be a long-term answer at running back for them as well. I think had he not gotten hurt in that semifinal game, although I don't know what he would have done against Georgia necessarily, but I think he would have been able to show his talents a little bit better as well and just an absolute beast last year for TCU. And my last one is I like Tendon Hooker to Detroit. Detroit didn't end up taking a quarterback at all. You still have Jared Goff there. Didn't go early quarterback at all. You picked up Hendon Hooker in the third round, a guy that pre-draft people were talking, maybe somebody trades back up, maybe Minnesota takes him in the first round. So a guy, yes, he's older. Yes, he's coming off of that ACL, but it's really a no risk for them in that third round. I really don't mind them taking him there and taking a shot. And maybe, maybe you have something there, somebody that had he not gotten hurt, yes, we would have been talking about his age, but he would have been up in probably that late first, the team taking a chance on him. So I'm, I'm fine with Detroit where they got him. Yeah. Let's jump in back really quick to the saints. Given that they originally had, they would have had a top 10 pick had they not traded that to Philly. They still ended up with Brian Breesy at the end of the first. I think that's a great move. Isaiah Foskey edge out of Notre Dame round two, Kendra Miller round three, Grabbing a tackle round four, Hayner again round four, and then getting A.T. Perry in round six. I I think that, you know, great possession guy, and to be able to get him in the sixth round, I think that's a a money move right there, especially when we still really don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas, I mean, and what his status is. I wouldn't be surprised if A.T. Perry gets a ton of time, him and with... It could be you could be looking at A.T. Perry, Michael Thomas and and Chris Olave on the field at the same time. And if Michael Thomas isn't the player that he used, well, clearly doesn't seem like the player that he used to be. Perry could be a major contributor here. Yeah. Three picks that I did not like at all. Touch on this one quick because we already busted through this was Zach Charbonnet to Seattle. That one I had to mention. I just did not get that one at all. A uh, minor one that I still didn't understand because Jaron Hall was still on the board with Sean Clifford to Green Bay. That that's one that just sucked. really didn't make, that's, make sense I should I, so. I, 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 I meant to <laughs> mention that when I was talking Green Bay. I'm glad you didn't because I wanted to bring oh him up Oh, my God. Just I was no so sense. pissed when I was like, I was like, wait. What? I thought he was going undrafted. (laughs) Nobody, we weren't even talking about him being drafted. That, I I, I should have mentioned that when I was talking Green (laughs) Bay, but that was the fucking worst. Jared Hall, (laughs) God. (laughs) And my last one is Jameer Gibbs to Detroit. I don't mind the pick, but when where they took him at 12, you didn't need to. You could have gotten him later. You could have traded back. I don't think anybody was going to take him prior to that. And like I said, he just gave money to David Montgomery. It wasn't a huge need for them, which I think, granted, his comp is Alvin Kamara. So if you get the next Alvin Kamara, that's awesome. Then it's well worth it. But I just think Detroit right now, 
you could have plugged in a couple other spots, positions, and been solid. And I just I didn't really get the Jameer Gibbs pick at twelve. He was somebody that should have been in the twenties or early second round. I think. Yeah, that was my uh, number one <laughs> things that I didn't like. My number th- or my number one bottom three was going Jameer Gibbs at twelve, and then Jack Campbell at eighteen. Yeah. So the combination of those two major head scratchers, I wonder if they were thinking, hey, we're going to, you know, hey, let's move back to 12. We could still get Bijan Robinson. But if you were that sold on Bijan, fuck it. Just take him at six. Like yeah. you you didn't get Devin Witherspoon, who you wanted, who at least rumored they wanted him at six. That was their number one plan. And they trade back. Man, just stay there if you really want the top running back. Just just grab Bijan at six and instead they I think maybe they tried to get they got a little too cute by moving back and thinking Bijan maybe would be there at twelve. But at that point, if Bijan's off the board, you got that number twelve pick. There's a lot of guys on the board. I mean, there there's a lot of shit. Van Ness, you pair Van Ness there with uh Aiden Hutchinson, that's a killer. You're you're killing it there nice. with your edge rushers. Like Christian Gonzalez was sitting there at 12. He ends up going 17 to the Patriots. Another DB, Emmanuel Forbes, ends up going 16. He was available. There's a pretty good I I and maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like there's a pretty damn good chance that Jameer Gibbs is sitting there at 18. Where Oh, for sure. Like any I'm looking at look at all the teams in between it, from from 12 to 18 in between those teams Green Bay, Pittsburgh, the Jets, Washington, the Patriots. None of those teams were taking Jameer Gibbs. So, I think you sit there at 18, you could take a pass rusher there at 12, grab your Van Ness, grab your cornerback Christian Gonzalez, Emmanuel Forbes at 12 at 18. Jameer Gibbs is sitting right there for you. I think there's a 90 per, 90 plus percent chance that that was going to happen. And then Jack Campbell, they had the 34th overall pick. I know Jack Campbell was the top middle linebacker on most player or most teams boards and my board is my board as well, but he'd be sitting there at 34 as well. So which would have been there, which was their top, Second round pick. They ended up grabbing Sam Laporta. I like that pick for yeah. Detroit, but I think if you go edge and you get your two first round picks still, I think they screwed this up. But hey, it's I mean, it's the Lions, so I yeah. guess I shouldn't be too I, shocked. Like you said though, the second round Sam Laporta, and I really like the Brian Branch safety out of Alabama too in the second round. So I think that was a nice need for them and a nice player that they can plug in. So there were some nice picks that they made. It was just and I honestly They grabbed four mind, impact like, players. There's no Gibbs. question about that. Yeah. I don't mind the Campbell and Gibbs. It's just where they drafted them at. I just think it was a huge reach. I just think it I think you could have gone I think you could have gone. Van Ness, Gibbs, Campbell, and then I guess with their next pick, you grab Brian Branch, and then you get another tight end later because there were a ton of tight ends that ended up kind of, you know, nice tight ends that ended up being available later. So, I I mean, Tucker Craft would have fit in great. 
for with them. So I thought they screwed that up. Uh, my number two in my bottom three, as shit on multiple times now, Zach Charbonnet <laughs> going Big to Seattle. Time. And then uh, and then my third bottom three pick, Stetson Bennett. Just a head scratcher, <laughs> yeah. grabbing him in the fourth round. I get they I, I'm assuming here that they want a Jake Hayner, but just because Hayner's picked the pick before you doesn't mean you need to scramble, puke on your shoes, and grab Stetson Bennett. I Stetson Bennett at best should be a sixth, seventh round pick. He should not have gone in the fourth. They should not have taken a quarterback there. They have needs all over the place. Yeah. Do you see Stetson Bennett stepping in for Stafford and being awesome? I don't. So I just, I don't see that pick working out, especially with how many needs they had on both sides of the ball, every single freaking position. Chase Brown, fucking take Chase Brown there. Get that kid out of Florida State out of the building, finally, that they've been trying to do for a year. And you've got yourself another starting running back. And then you grab and then you grab another quarterback in the sixth or seventh. Or shit, go ahead, grab DTR in the fifth. I just Stetson Bennett, I I don't buy him as a starting quarterback at all in this league. Especially in LA. Like, that guy can't handle himself. Now you're gonna put him in LA. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> no. Not a fan at all. Hey, uh, I guess really quick, let's be real. Snippy snappy about this. Bijan going eight to Atlanta. Any brief thoughts on that? I mean, I'm fine with the landing spot. I think he's going to be awesome, and I think Atlanta is a solid fit there. I just I don't really know what Atlanta's doing unless they're just like, hey, let's get all of our skill positions ready to go for Caleb to come in next year, <laughs> and then we can just go from like zero to hero. But that's a good I don't point. Know. It actually. just they yeah, that's another team that I just don't really But do you know trust Atlanta? Doing. I don't know. No. I the other way that I, I guess I kind of look at it almost like okay, if uh Desmond Ritter is worth a damn, he's got all the he's got the all the surrounding talent he would ever need. So if he can cut it hey, maybe we found ourselves a franchise quarterback. If he can't cut it and they win four games again, okay, adios, Ritter. We're going to have a top three pick. So uh, yeah, I guess that's that that's another way to look sense, at it. Huh? But Well, they did bring in Heineke, so we'll see. The... <laughs> I don't know if Ritter's <laughs> winning that job then. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the Wells Fargo Championship. Finally, a designated event back in our site. Um Finally, it's only been like two weeks. Week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been well, Zurich and then this. I guess Zurich had three a few weeks, people, but it just I like I like those big fields. We've been getting spoiled early on in the season, and back to Wells Fargo defending champ here is Max Homa Quill Hollow Golf Club par 71, 75, 38 for the yardage. So fairly decent there. Notables in the field this week, Keegan Bradley, Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley, Joel Damon, Jason Day, Tony Baloney-Finau coming off of his win, Tony Matthew Maloney. Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Fending Champ Max Homa, Big Dick, Vic Hovland, Sunjay M, Matt Kuchar, Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy back in the fold this week, Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, Adam Scott, 
Jordan Spieth, Sahith Gala, and Justin Thomas. Rory did say today in his press conference, just had some personal stuff pop up. So just kind of the nonchalant answer on why he missed that RBC heritage, which whatever. I figured that was going to be the case. It's not like he's going to come out and be like, yeah, I just didn't, didn't feel, feel like, like playing it. this week. So, <laughs> I mean, after all of the stuff he's been doing with the PGA Tour and trying to boost that up the last year and a half. So I don't don't blame the answer there, but glad he's back in the fold and should be a pretty solid field this week. Um, who are some of the favorites in this loaded field? Your, uh, your top five, Rory's up Still up there at the top at plus 700. Patrick Cantley right behind him in his slow play at plus 1,000. <laughs> Tony Baloney Finau, your number three favorite at plus 1,500, as well as Xander Shoffley at plus 1,500. And rounding out your top five, Cam Young at plus 1,800. I love that top five. I mean, you know, like you said, designated events. You expect a lot of the top players to be there. This is gonna be this is gonna be a sweet sweet weekend of golf. Absolutely. Well, it is time to make our picks. If you're new to the segment, welcome in. Each week, starting with the Century Tournament of Champions, Jell and I have been picking a golfer, whatever their score is relative to par. That is the score you get that week. Cut does not matter. Although we have been killing it with cuts, I will say that. Uh, probably just jinx myself, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but once you use a golfer, can't use them again, cannot pick the same golfer as your opponent for the week. I got the win first ever on the show in our two or season and a half of uh, picking guys. It was a 50 50 proposition here. One of us was I mean, there going was more than two it. golfers playing in that tournament, Jill. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you had the first pick and picked the wrong guy, so suck it. Okay. So. <laughs> How foolish were we last year yeah, at I the Mexico Open? We went Gary Woodland and Patrick Reed in 2022. Like, that, yeah. uh, I mean, I know obviously Patrick Reed wasn't eligible this season, but, <laughs> and Woodland had, had some nice weeks, but, God, we, yeah. we screwed that up last year. When, when? Top two players available, Ramalama Ding Dong, Tony Baloney. They finished two and one. So, um, but yeah, moving on. I have a six shot lead, 139 to 133. That is under par for those keeping score out home. And uh, that means, Joe, you are still picking first. This feels feel? so wrong. Want? I'm so used to having to pick, you know, <laughs> two guys so that, because this is great. That's what I've been having to do for the last, or the, previous what 10 months or whatever but um no this uh, i kind of hate that i'm doing this i'm gonna go with the guy that's hopefully feeling nice and refreshed after uh (laughs) taking off since augusta i'm going rory betting favorite he's won already this tournament three times as recently as 2021, he won it in 21, he won it in 2015, and he won it in 2010. So maybe he's due. I mean, he's been, he'd played pretty well all season outside of the Masters. He's obviously extremely familiar with the course. There's some other guys on this list that are extremely tempting, and I'm sure you're going to take one of them, but 
I'm thinking Rory's rejuvenated. He's off his, you know, his little, you know, hopefully put the masters behind him, feeling refreshed, nice, you know, not an exhausted body, and he's ready to roll. So let's go Rory McIlroy. My the little bit of an issue with this is that it's generally such a low scoring course. I mean, if we look back since 2016, the best score here is a minus 15 max home at 2019. Otherwise it's been hovering around that, like between eight and 12 under. So I don't know how, if I'm going to be able to make a, up a ton of strokes here, but I'm hoping to Rory. <laughs> like it. I am going with a guy that I don't know as well how confident I am with him. He's only played this course once prior and it was a top three finish though. So not a ton of experience here, but played fairly well. Big Dick, ladies love him. Big Dick, nice. Dick so <laughs> I am gonna go with Hovland. He has been on fire this year, making cuts, playing well, finishing top ten. So I need to hold my lead, keep it, keep ladies it going, not lose, <laughs> not lose many strokes. And yeah, no, Victor Hovland, uh, love the play he's had so far this year, and think he'll be solid here this week at uh, Quail Hollow. Yeah, when I was looking through my picks, it was it was Big Dick. Uh, I'd already used him. Max Homa was up there. I'd already used him. He's the reigning champ here. So Rory McIlroy. I'm pretty sure I didn't use him at all last year. Just completely whiffed on using <laughs> Rory last year. So get him out of the way. Let's see. But no, I love the. Big... No, you used him for the Arnie Palmy. Ah, okay. So I did. Okay. Maybe I didn't I didn't use ROM or I didn't use one of these high-end dudes. <laughs> Idiots. Right. I know. I think our strategy last year was like, oh, let's save them. And then all of a sudden we realized we had a ton like, of good guys for like three tournaments. We're like, oh yeah. sweet. <laughs> awesome. Well, and and you've got that you've got such a lull in the middle of the summer where it's like a lot of these guys end up taking off and it's like yeah. fuck. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, that will wrap up this episode. It can be found at Dead Arm Sports. Twitter, Instagram, check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Go to YouTube, type in Dead Arm Sports. Subscribe, click the bell there. That way you know when our live episodes drop. We monitor that chat. You can ask us any questions there. If you do miss out on our live feed, you hit us up on our socials at Dead Arm Sports, at DosGel at DosJPEC. Give us a follow on all three of those. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot, and we will swag you up. Joe, what are those platforms? Hit us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to whatever your chosen listening platform is, or even better, subscribe, rate, and review to all four, even if you don't listen. Do it. You won't. <laughs> on all four. Tell your friends, coworkers, enemies, parents, pets, plants to also subscribe, rate, and review, even if they don't listen to the show. It helps uh, grow helps grow the show a little bit. Also, find us on YouTube, Dead Arm Sports, and we should be the first channel that pops up at the top of your results there. Make sure to hit that bell so that you get notifications whenever we uh, put on any new content or... Uh, go live absolutely should be a fun weekend of golf looking forward to tuning into that and unwinding from the epic nfl draft weekend this last weekend hope everyone has a fantastic weekend and jill close her how many times are you gonna say weekend 
You said that like weekend, four times. Weekend, weekend, <laughs> weekend, weekend, weekend. As many as I want. Thank you.